Timothy. Uh, chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Uh, I promise you that we will be done with 1 Timothy by the end of the year. How's that? Um, so just excited about uh, the journey that we've had. And I pray that as you go back through and as there's different situations that come up in your life, uh, that God will use 1 Timothy, you'll go back to the Word of God and say, hey, this is something for me that I've learned as I've been spending time in the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 5 is going to give us some instructions. Paul's going to share with Timothy things that, situations. How do you deal with older people, younger people? How do you deal with widows? How do you deal with elders? How do you deal with masters and their slaves? How do you deal with false teachers and how do you deal with money and godliness? Now, obviously, I'm not going to cover all that this morning. But it's just, as we end up 1 Timothy, uh, we were talking uh, staff meeting on Tuesday. Here's some how-tos. And there's different situations that you're going to be involved in. Instead of coming to your own wisdom and own understanding, hey, this is how I think I should handle this situation. Come back to the Word of God and say, God, how do you want me to handle this? And so this morning, if you're in 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, in verse 1, you read these words. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as your brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. As I've been thinking through this passage of Scripture, Timothy's going to have to deal with some situations where he's going to have to confront people. There's going to be times in his ministry as the young man, he's going to have to go and say to an older man, hey, I need to talk to you about some things. It's interesting that Paul puts the word rebuke there. If you're like me, I, I've got a, a verse in my, in my Bible that I think about when I think about the word rebuke. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you're going to deal with older people, and if you're going to have to be involved in possibly saying, hey, this is something that doesn't honor the Lord, or this is a sin area in your life, not saying that he's gonna, that's all he's saying, but... As I think about, you know, rebuke, I think about the word shedding light on sin. Timothy, if you're going to be involved in these situations, and there's an older person as part of your congregation, and you're going to have to go communicate with them, you're going to have to go shed light with them about the sin that they may be involved in. Timothy, this is how I want you to do that. As, you, as if you were talking with your father. And I think it's very important when we think about um, sin, I want you to go to John chapter 14 in verse uh, 16. So if you have your Bible, John 14. So Timothy, as you're being involved with these, you know, these groups of people that Paul's identified, you know, you got your older men, you got your you got the women, you got your brothers, you got your mothers, and you got I'm not sorry. I'm, Timothy, if you're gonna deal with older men, treat them as if you're gonna deal with your fathers. If you're dealing with younger men, treat them as brothers. Older women treat them as your mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Timothy, if you're going to be involved with these people, I want you to be involved in this sense too. Timothy, I want you to take them to maybe this concept. John chapter 14, verse 16. I will give, I will, and I will give, ask the Father, and he will give you a counselor to be with you for forever. Who is that? The Spirit of truth. So Timothy, if you're going to deal with these men in your family, if you're going to deal with these women in your family, Timothy, I want you to come alongside of those people and I want you to remind them that God has given them a comforter. Who is that? Spirit of truth. Why is that important? 
when people come and communicate with you, and they possibly might shed light on something that you're doing that is questionable, what is the first thing that normally you do? You defend yourself. That's our sin nature. What does God want us to do? God, is there anything true in this statement? Holy Spirit, you show me the truth. Because who's living inside me? Spirit of truth. Here's another neat verse as you think about that. Stay in John chapter 14 and look at verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't it neat when the Holy Spirit teaches you something? It's fun as I study the Word of God, I'm thinking about certain things, and it's like, you know, after I've walked away from my study time, I'm out doing something, and then this thought just comes into my mind. It's like, huh, that's really neat, Holy Spirit. Thank you. That's what you meant. And so this morning as I look at the Word of God, and I look at Timothy, and Timothy's involved in a church, and there's going to be times that Timothy's going to have to be involved with older men. He's going to encourage them or shed light on their sin. He wants not Timothy just to stand there in judgment. Here's also something that's very important. Take your Bible and go to Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. All of us probably need to have this verse on a refrigerator. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. You read these words. Brother, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. But watch yourself, as for you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Why do I say that? I think some of us need to be reminded, but for the grace of God, it could be us. And I think at times, a lot of us look at ourselves in the mirror on a Sunday morning and say, wow, we're pretty good people. While the outside looks nice. And it's really easy to be judgmental. It's really easy to point your finger. That's not what Paul is talking about to this young man, Timothy. He's going to encourage young man, Timothy, to come alongside of these people and encourage them to walk in truth. Another neat verse, as you remind yourself of this, is 1 Timothy. If you go back to 1 Timothy, a couple of verses ahead of, of chapter 5 is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and you read these words. Do not let anyone look down on your youth because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. I mean, that's what I want. So as this morning, as we're involved in the Word of God and we get a chance to look at Timothy and Paul's sharing with Timothy, he's going to encourage Timothy as, he, as he's involved with people and opportunities to rebuke people to do it out of grace, out of gracious heart. And not have a heart that is judgmental. So you get that as you look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. So it's just a good reminder for us this morning. As you're involved in relationships with people. That you need to come alongside people. Love them and encourage them. I'm not saying that you don't tell them truth. I'm not saying that you don't shed light on their sin. I think we need to do those things. But I think we need to do those things out of a heart of love. Not out of a heart of condemnation. That... It will show if you had a heart of love for that individual if you come alongside that individual. If you remind that individual that the Holy Spirit's living inside of them and the Holy Spirit can show them truth. And not just point your finger at them. Now let's go on to the next passage of scripture, a chunk of scripture in, in the 1 Timothy chapter 5. 
concerning widows. And uh, as you look at uh, verse 3, it says, Give proper recognition to those who are in real need. But if a widow has a children or grandchildren, they should lean first on the input. Of, they should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. I want to remind you as we think about widows, Paul's going to encourage Timothy to show respect, to care for, to support, to treat graciously, and to help out financially. As I was looking through this passage of scripture, I was wondering where was the first time that we saw a concept of the church or a group of believers caring for widows? So since you asked me that question, go to Acts chapter 6 with me. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. Acts 6 1 says this In those days where the numbers of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So, first opportunity, New Testament believers. We're reading 1 Timothy. There's 30 years between Acts 6, somewhere around there, I won't take a bullet for it, between Acts 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 5. There's a group of believers in Acts chapter 6 that were being um, put to the test or an opportunity to serve. And I, I find this very interesting. Not just anybody was, had the opportunity to serve the widow. The disciples just said, oh, we'll just pick whoever. Very important if you look at Acts chapter 6 that these people were known for what? To be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Those were the ones that got involved. Probably the one that you're most familiar with is Stephen. Why are we most familiar with Stephen? Because he was one the one that was one that was willing to die for Jesus Christ. He's the one that gave them incredible testimony of God's grace, and he was the one that was stoned. He was the one that Paul was there standing and holding the jackets of the ones that were growing stones. Now, fast forward, First Timothy chapter five. Thirty years. There's probably been some time now that people uh, needed to have some new instruction when it came to widows. I'm sure by 30 years later, there have been individuals now that are taking care, are taking advantage of the system. So Paul's going to explain to Timothy, hey, Timothy, this is what I want from you when it comes to widows. This is how I want this church to handle widows. And so this is what he says. I've already read to you uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 3, 3 and 4. If you look at those, those two verses, Paul's going to encourage children and grandchildren to take care of their family. He wants these believers that are involved in this church, if they have family, it's their responsibility to take care of their family. And he he doesn't say it very nicely, does he? He doesn't say to them, hey, I'm really excited about you guys. He says this to them. Um, But if there's a widow has children or grandchildren, these 
should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice. How am I supposed to put my religion into practice? By caring for their own family and so repaying their family and grandparents for this is what? Pleasing to God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read things that please God, I get excited. I've got this highlighted in blue in my Bible. Because there's something inside of me that I want to know that, hey, what I'm involved in pleases my Father. And so my, so hence, you know what I do? I call my mom now more than I ever did. I'm just one of those kids, I left the house, I just didn't call mom much. I don't know why, I just didn't. I talked to my mom at least twice a week on the phone. She called me the other day and said, hey, we're coming down for Christmas. When do you want us to fly? And I said, Mom, you can come whenever you want to come. Well, you know, it's Christmas. Do you, do you mind? I said, Mom, we have a spare bedroom. Our daughter's in college. There's a bed in there for you. Well, we'll probably bother you. I said, Mom, you can come stay however long you want to. I can go drive around if I need to and come back. <laughs> but you know what? Some, there's something inside of me. The older I get is I want my mama taken care of. And so I, I strategize, you know, because they still heat their, their home in Indiana out of wood. So I'm thinking, you know, Lord, maybe I should cut wood in Florida, split it, rent a U-Haul, and drive all the way to Indiana. That'd be kind of fun. Obviously, I'm not going to do that because that's not financially very feasible. But I think about my mom. Does that make me special? No. This makes me a son that needs to take care of his mother. It's my responsibility. And it's easy for me to say, oh, well, you know, mom's in Indiana, I don't need to be involved. But I do need to be involved. My mom does need to hear my voice. My mom does need to call me when she's aggravated at my brothers and sisters. Oh, I'm fine, you know. Go ahead. And every conversation I have with my mom, she will end with the same thing. I'm just turning it over to Jesus. I'm just turning it over to Jesus. Okay, mom, go for it. I'm praying for you. Every conversation. That's Okay. Because it's my responsibility to be her son. It's my privilege to talk to my mom on the phone. It also brings honor to my father. And so this morning, this is going to get a little touchy, I realize, because we're all busy. We've all got things to do. We've got places to go, people to see. You need to think about your family. You need to think about the responsibility that you have to care for your family. You'll see some more. Paul's going to say some more things. Lead on with me in verse 5. The widow who is in really in, in real need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. Interesting. In the middle of this little verse... He's talking to some widows and he's going to encourage them that hope comes from the Lord. He's going to encourage them to keep praying, keep serving, keep your hope in the cross. Keep asking God for help. You know, and those are all kind of nice little church answers. But have you ever sat next to somebody when they lost their mate? When they became a widow? Have you ever listened to the phone call? Have you ever been on the other end of the phone and you don't have an answer? 
and you can't fix it. I have. There's only one thing that has brought my mom through is the hope in her God. And I know that maybe none of you are going to get a phone call. Lord willing, you don't get that phone call that your parent might have passed away and your other parent is home alone. I don't wish that on anyone. I can tell you one thing, no matter what situation you're facing today, there's only hope in one place, and it's in the cross. There is no other help. There is no other way. There is no other fix. And no matter how much you hurt, and no matter how bad it is, there's only one place, and you're going to have to stop and say, hey, Jesus, I'm coming to you today, and I'm asking you for hope. I'm putting my faith and hope in you today. And it's important when you go through those losses. And I, I understand your pain, and I, I'm not even afraid of people being angry at God when you go through difficult times like that. I sat in church many weeks, months, very angry at God. But I was in church. You know what? I didn't want to come. And I didn't want to sing. But I was there. Because he still is my God. And no matter what situation you face, I would encourage you to continue as a widow, as I would encourage widows, I would encourage you as an individual, continue. Please put your hope in God. He will be there for you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be by your side. There's something interesting. All through scripture, people will be made Opportunities and privileges to make choices. In the same passage of scripture where Paul is saying to Timothy and these group of widows, hey, put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Continue to run to God. Verse 6, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead while she lives. Give the people these instructions too so that no one may be open to blame if anyone does not provide for his relative and especially For his immediate family, he is denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. That's not very positive. That's not very exciting to leave for lunch today, is it? But you know what you're looking at this morning? A biblical choice. If we do not take care of our family, what does the word of God say? We are worse than an unbeliever. Here's here's what I think is exciting. There's always this struggle with the Word of God. It's really, really easy to sit in church and say, hey, I love you, Jesus. But then the Word of God wants us to be here, but then the Word of God is going to make you make a choice. What are you going to do with truth? Will it be something that you just come and say, oh, yeah, I got it. Oh, it really made me feel good today. I really liked it. I got to sit where I wanted to sit. The air conditioning was nice. We sang three hymns. All those things are all good, right? None of that's bad. But you have the choice to make as you leave. Every single week you have a choice. Every single morning when you open up the Word of God and you sit down and read it, am I going to follow it? Am I going to surrender to it? Or am I going to say, wow, that's just a really neat verse. Know this. You are not a disciple of Jesus unless you struggle with following the word of God. 
You are not a Jesus follower unless you're willing to surrender to the Word of God. Think your way through that. Because there's a lot of people sitting in buildings like this that if Jesus would come back today, would still be sitting in these buildings. You know why? Because their faith is just right here and has not moved into their lifestyle. I am not a Christian. I am not a Christ follower because I said when I was in the Whirlybirds situation, hey, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell, so whatever Paul Patton says, I'm interested. No, that wasn't my salvation. That started me in the process. I am a Christ follower. I take the word of God as true, that, and I want to be one of his disciples. Yeah, I, I believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that. You know how I prove it? My lifestyle. You know how I know it's real? When I find truth in the word of God and I don't like it and I struggle with it. Holy Spirit, help me obey the word of God. I want to follow it. Here's a real, maybe a, maybe, maybe a personal question. When was the last time you laid awake at night thinking about your sin? Where it really, really bothered you? When was the last time you read the Word of God and you took two or three days to struggle through a passage? Say, okay, Holy Spirit, I surrender. I'll fall. I don't like it. It's not convenient. It's not fair. Doesn't make fit my lifestyle, but it's true. I'm going to follow it because it's true. See, those are your choices. See, you know, Paul's saying to you through the book of 1 Timothy, care for your family. Will you do it? Will you reprioritize your life so your family is a priority of your life? Will you say no to the busyness of Satan's lie? Hey, I'm successful because I'm busy. you walk out of here and say, you know, there's some things I need to think about. If my family, is my family really a priority in my life? Or have I denied the faith and I'm worse than an unbeliever? I know there are times as I, as I continue on in this, the context of the scripture, there are times for widows when they lose their loved one, they're struggling of deep depression in their soul, they can turn and live for pleasure. They can turn and live for themselves. But also know the times we do the same thing. So this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, as we wrestle our way through it, you as your family, here's something that's really interesting, and this is something that we have here at Bible Fellowship Church, we have a widow ministry. We're excited about that. But I was saying to Susan the other day, I said, you know, honey, I think something that maybe you and I need to sit down and pick a widow and that you and I need to be involved. Because you know what we have a tendency to do? Well, there's a ministry at Bible Fellowship Church, so we don't care for anybody else because that's a ministry. Because there are women in, in our church that if you... Look at verse 9. No widow may be put on the list unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up her children, showing hospitality, washing the feet 
of the saints helping those who are in trouble and devoting themselves to all kinds of good deeds. So as you think about if we're a church, we're, we're going to look at certain things and put a widow on a list. Is the person over 60? Has the person been faithful to their husband? Have they been totally devoted to their, to their man? Uh, uh, third thing we'd be looking at is, you know, is the person well known for their deeds? And, and the Word of God gives example of those things. Brought up their children, hospitality to strangers, washed uh, saints' feet. Uh, another verse, um, you know, let's just read it, John chapter 13. Take your Bible, John chapter 13. Look at John 13, pick it up in verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, uh, drying them with a towel they had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus replied to me, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall not wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Simon Peter, then, uh, Simon Peter replied, Lord, uh, not just my feet, but my head and my hands as well. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash their feet. His whole body is clean. You are clean, though not, not every one of you are. For he knew he was going to be, he knew the one who was going to betray him, and that was why he was not, not everyone was clean. Then, when he had finished uh, washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that's what I am. Now, that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do this as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one whom he has sent. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you, if you what? Do them. So as we think about our widows in our family, we have widows here that, have, that are washing saints' feet. We have widows that are assisting those who are in distress. And we have widows that have devoted themselves to good work. And you can cross-reference that to Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. And so here at Bible Fellowship Church, we do have a, a widow's list. And we have a ministry that we are involved in. Uh, Mary Sage and a group of ladies lead that ministry. Kathy's involved. Other ladies are involved in that as a leadership team that are involved in widows and widows ministry. We're excited about it. We're thankful to the Lord for that. But here's the question I have for you. Would you be willing to help a widow? Would you wash their feet? Would you clean out their gutter? Would you take them to lunch? Would you buy him a Christmas gift? Would you buy him a birthday gift? It's your choice. And it's my choice. And I already know you are busy. Be too busy here, you'll regret it when you meet him face to face. It's your choice. It's the word of God. 
I don't have to jump up and down. I don't have to beat the pulpit. I don't even have to raise my voice. Here's truth. Will you fall? I know it's not going to be convenient. I know it's not, it's not easy. I know it's going to hurt. It's going to affect your lifestyle. I got all that. I got it. But will you follow it? Well, it might not even be a widow at Bible Fellowship Church. It might be your, your neighbor. I know some people are involved and they go help older people go to the grocery store. I mean, that's cool. But what will we do when we walk out of these buildings? Obviously, I realize we're involved in the text and I I'm really want to be involved in context. I recognize there are people in our family that are widows and they're neat people and they're serving, they love the Lord, and I think we need to get involved in their lives. I think we need to help them in every way we can. Not just the church, though. You and I sitting in these pews, we need to do our job. We need to find those people that are around us and say, I want to be involved in your life. I just want to help you. And they're going to say, well, why do you want to help me? And my response will be, because it pleases my father. These are things that, my, that honor my dad. So I want to do those things. Because they honor my father. And recognizing that, you know, as you, as you read on a little bit farther, there's younger widows. And, and do, don't put them on such a list for their central desires overcome their dedication to Christ. And they'll want to marry. And I guess in this day when Paul was talking to Timothy... There were some younger widows that have already made a commitment. Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to the church. I'm going to serve the church. And then they fell in love. They found that guy that, you know, made their eyes sparkle again. And, and so they went about and, and got married. And, and Paul's just telling, hey, younger widows, you need to go ahead and get married. That's bring ju- they brought judgment on themselves because they had broken their pledge. I don't understand all the, why they broke their pledge other than they fell in love. And so they said, hey, God, I'm, I want to do this instead. Besides this, they get in the habit of being idle. They go about from house to house. Then not only do they become idlers, but they become gossipers and busybodies, saying things they ought not to say. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their household, and to give, not to give the enemy opportunity for slander. Some, in fact, have already turned away and followed Satan. If any woman who is a believer has a widow in her family, she should help them. Not the church be burdened with that so the church can help those widows who are really in need. So if you're a younger widow, based on Paul's sharing to Timothy, get married. And I would just encourage you as a shepherd, how do I say this? Some of our older people like Match.com, and it's worked pretty good. So I can't say anything against it, but I just have some concerns as a shepherd. Just put it that way. You know, as I look at this chunk of Scripture, you know, there's 16 verses. I normally don't talk over six, that many verses. 16 verses here. But it's really kind of a neat chunk of Scripture. And if we're honest, none of us woke up this morning and we read this passage of Scripture and said, wow, this is really good for me today. I'm so excited. But 
But I've been excited because the Holy Spirit's been speaking in my heart. And he challenges me, hey, Patterson, if you're going to be involved in pointing out sin in people's lives, this is how I want you to handle it. I want you to come alongside of people. Just the way people have come alongside of me. Just the way people have prayed with me. Just the way that I've had individuals get involved in my life, just asking God to to encourage my heart, move me away from sin, give me strength, give me wisdom. Sometime, I, I don't know if I'll ever do this, but I think something you need to know, I'm no different than you are. And I think at times, because there's a pastor in front of my name, you think I'm different. I'm not. I struggle with sin just the way you do. No different than you. But as a family, if we're involved in people's lives, please, before you go communicate with somebody, come back to this passage of Scripture. Say, God, I want to shed light on something that's going on in somebody's life, but I just want to, I want to come alongside them. I want to love them enough to not just blast them and walk away. And I really want you to spend some time evaluating your time. And I really want you to ask yourself this difficult question. Who's my widow? Who's the person that God is going to ask you to care for? It's going to give you the privilege to love and honor and spend time with and go to lunch with and buy a Christmas gift for him. Another question you need to ask yourself, are you really caring for your family? Because it's really easy to come here and just be here. But the Word of God has called us to be involved with our family, loving them, caring for them. Now, as much as I would like, I would would ask you to be praying for me. That God would give me wisdom how to care for my mom. God give me wisdom as Susan and I are involved with her parents. God would show me the widows in my life that he wants me to reprioritize my time so I can be involved. Because there's something inside of me and it's growing. I just want you to know that. There's a passion in my soul to please my father. Something deep down inside of me that I, I don't want to play games. I don't want to mess around with sin. I've got sin issues, so don't think I don't. I do. I'm struggling with it just like you do. Just pray that I would have continue my passion to please my body. Not in my own strength. And I pray those are your things too. That when you walk away from here this morning, there would be something in your heart that would come back to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and say, God... What do you want me to do with this truth? Who do you want me to be involved with? Who do you want me to care for? How many more times do you want me to call my mom this week? God, what do you want from me?
is I want my mom to know I care about her. And I want my mom to be careful. And Lord willing, one day if I can work it out, my mom will be here. And Terry will be in Florida. They don't have to buy wood anymore. They don't have to keep fixing their chainsaws. So I can say, Mom, you want to go to lunch today? Terry, you want to go to the woods? Go hunting? Let's go. I was given something this week that's pretty neat. I want to end this this time together with, with this. I've challenged you with truth. But also I'm very aware that, that there might be somebody in here this morning that, that doesn't have Jesus as part of their life. And this little pamphlet talks about man's condition. Romans 3.23, for all sin talks about judgment for my sin, Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death. It talks about there's, God was willing to make a way, a provision for, for you and I to have life today. But that life only comes through one thing, the cross. And the more I think about the cross, the more I want us to walk by it. Every time we see it, I want the Holy Spirit to bring these words to our mind. Yep, that's my Savior. Yes, there's my Savior. That's the institution. That was the thing that was used to make sure that I was known by the whole world that that somebody loved me. That's what it was. Three nails and a wooden cross. That's my provision. That's my sin right there. That's what God chose for me. And I believe it. Do you? Do you accept that? So you have an opportunity, you have a response here. Your choice will be to believe, to rely upon, to trust in, or to keep on walking. And you know what will be the determining factor of your belief? Your actions. And I want my actions to demonstrate my faith is in the cross. It has nothing to do with me. Me being nice to Seth has everything for me waking up in the morning and saying, you know, Lord, I need help today. I need you to, be, to empower me to be a dad. You know what God has given you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ? He's given you a guarantee. That guarantee is eternal. It's your choice. Eternal life is in front of you. The truth of the word of God is in front of you. What will you choose today? Let's pray. Father, thank you. I was just thinking this week, you've you've allowed us to live another week. Gave us life all week long. Oh, sometimes it was fun, sometimes it was frustrating, sometimes we were angry and bitter and disappointed. And... But Lord, it's a new week, a new day. Thank you. 
Father, as we've read in Micah today, we know you hear us. So we call out you. Father, as you look down on our family, you know the ones that, that need a Savior. You know the ones that need to say, hey, I believe. You know the ones that need to accept the free gift. Oh, I know. You sent your son years ago, 2,000 years ago, down the cross for us. There's crosses all around our community. But the choice is up to you this morning. Do you believe? Have you put your faith in him? Father, this is also a truth of the word of God. It really challenges the priorities of our life. Father, as you do the work in our lives to draw us to yourself, may we come back to 1 Timothy. May we evaluate who you want us to be involved in. Show us the widows of our lives. And give us the courage to follow you and love them. That's what you would do. If you're here this morning, you'd like to pray with somebody. There's the What's Next Ministry out the back of the sanctuary there. The second door on the left, they would love to pray with you if you'd like to pray with them. You have a burden you would like to share. Father, thank you for the privilege to gather at Bible Fellowship Church. Be a family today. Thank you for the privilege that we can look at truth of the Word of God. Make us sons and daughters that have a passion to follow truth. In your name I pray. Amen.